Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It's Friday. This is a Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Friday, the 7th of July. And so, yes, because it's Friday, we will have a Friday Farm Report here in just a few minutes. But let's lead off today the way we always do with the Growing Your Faith verse of the day. You can sign up to receive the verse of the day in your inbox at MyFaithRadio.com. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. And let me just say here that you're, you're, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Here's what the Bible says about your beauty. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So, my friend, you are beautiful. In your, in, in your inward being, you are beautiful. You have an unfading beauty. If you are thinking to yourself, wow, my outward beauty is certainly fading, wrinkles and all, um, let me just say this. Your inward beauty can actually be increasingly enhanced over the course of a lifetime, that gentle and quiet spirit. So you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Um. I think there of the song, Lord, you are beautiful. Your faith is all, your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Maybe you hear Chris Tomlin's voice when I say those words. Maybe you hear Steve Green. I mean, a number of people have sung this song, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. And let me just say that if you are a person to whom God's grace has abounded, is abounding now, um, then you're beautiful. You are beautiful. Jonathan Edwards wrote, For as God is infinitely the greatest being, so he is um, allowed to be infinitely the most beautiful and infinitely the most excellent. And all the beauty to be found throughout the whole creation is but a reflection of the diffused beams of that being who hath an infinite fullness of brightness and glory. God is the foundation and the fountain of all being and all beauty. Those are the words of Jonathan Edwards. I I think he's right. He goes on to say that all definitions are insufficient um, because we have imperfect language to express things that are sublime so sublime, like beauty. Like, we can't even define beauty because our language is insufficient to express just how beautiful God is. So God expresses his own beauty in the creation that he's made. He expresses his beauty in Jesus Christ. Um, And I think God also expresses the reality of beauty in the Trinity itself, in the God who is three in one, in the beauty of a relationship, 
uh, in the beauty of unity and yet diversity. So think about the beauty of a forest. It, it is it is beautiful because, well, it's all green and yet it's a thousand shades of green. It's all trees and leafy things, but they're all so different. There is beauty in both the unity and the diversity that we see in creation itself. Scripture very poetically and very powerfully describes um, creation's beauty and, and the purpose of the beauty of creation. So the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day by day they pour forth speech, and night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. That's the voice of creation itself. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So all of creation is glorifying God through its beauty. So the heavens declare the glory of God um, through their beauty. And when all of that beauty is considered, we recognize it's, it is yet just a glimpse, a shimmer, a glimmer of the beauty of the glory of God. So revel in the beauty of God today. Maybe spend some time today considering how you reflect the beautiful nature of God. Appreciate the creation that he has made and give him the glory. You're listening to a best of Mornings with Carmen on this Friday, the 7th of July. We're going to revisit a conversation we had with Sarah Billups orphaned believers. If you are feeling at all exiled, we are inviting you to find your way home. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, wonderful to have joining with us uh, today, Sarah Billups. She's a Seattle-based writer, so it's fun to have um, her joining us. Her book is Orphaned Believers, How a Generation of Christian Exiles Can Find the Way Home. Sarah, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So one of the things I appreciated um, in the introduction to the book is how you write about your friendship with your dad and the influence mm-hmm. that he's had, um, you know, on your faith growing up. So just talk with us a little bit about that, because your backstory is a part of this conversation about orphaned believers. Yeah, that's right. You know, I've been in Seattle about 18 years, but I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a Rust Belt, Rust Belt town in the northeast part of the state. And my dad was uh, raised in a secular Jewish home, but converted to Christianity in the 70s pretty radically. He met Jesus in a really powerful way at a Bible study on the book of Daniel. And he just like ran to the parking lot out of this apartment he was in and fell, fell on his face and accepted Jesus. And my mom said, you know, when she next saw him, his face had changed. Like it was a really radical conversion. Um, but he was also <clears throat> converted in the, in the era when, you know, the late great planet earth by Hal Lindsey was a really popular book. There were um, a lot of threads in uh, pop culture and in larger culture about, you know, the the Red Scare and the Russian threat and the Cold War. And so he, you know, had a radical conversion, but also was raised, or I was also raised in a culture where there was sort of a fear of the end times, which was a really uh, thick thread growing up for me. So I was raised to love Jesus in a Christian home, but I was also 
you know, Carmen, like some people talk about football at dinner, we would talk about the rapture or the end of the world. It was a common part of the conversation. And so that really kind of made me unsure and afraid as a kid, as well as a person, a kid that went to church. So it was a really mixed experience for me. You actually um, write a lot about the end times, um, but your mm-hmm. sort of view on that and your passion for it in terms of how you look forward to it has really, really changed. Mm. Um, maybe we could talk yeah. about that. Like how how do we as Jesus followers passionately look forward to our future with Christ, um, mm-hmm. even though like, right, we still, we still got to live in the present. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, so I, I was um, raised really with a lot of um, talk about the rapture and kind of a view of premillennial dispensationalism. Um, I've learned that there's a lot of other views about, about what will happen and how revelations interpret it. But, you know, really, I think that um, I'm at this point in my life, I'm in my mid forties. Um, I'm passionately looking forward to my future with Jesus while, while living redemptively in the present. So I've been able to kind of focus on the joy of participating in God's work of bringing the kingdom to the here and now that's deeply satisfying. And that helps me to care for other people and advocate for change and pray for my city. But I also have such hope about all things being made right and new in the end, Um, whatever that looks like, particularly like such a joy to imagine Jesus returning, but also a real groundedness and centeredness in the work that we have to do as Christians here. Yeah, I want him to find me busy when he returns. And I, and I <laughs> yeah, also, totally. right. And I also want to, totally. like, I'm totally looking forward to spending eternity with him. Um, and mm-hmm. I should be, like, I should be genuinely passionate about every person that I meet sharing mm-hmm. in that future. Um, and so I do think, yeah. I love this language of living redemptively in the present, absolutely with, you know, with eternity in view, with the second coming of Christ in view. It's not just something that we say when we talk about what we believe. Um, it, we actually believe it and we live with yeah. it in view. I think that's just so helpful. Hey, we're talking with Sarah yeah. Billups today. She's the author of Orphaned Believers, How Can a Gen- How a Generation of Christian Exiles Can Find the Way Home. Um, you can find it from our friends over at Baker Books. Or where, um, Sarah, do you prefer that folks connect with you directly? So I'm just online at sarahbillips.com. And then I write a monthly letter called Bitter Scroll at, at Substack. So either place. And I'm also on Instagram. Lots. <laughs> yeah. So if you go to sarahbillips.com, you can connect with um, all of Sarah's socials. Let's, um, let's just do a little definition here. What is or who is an orphaned believer? Mm, yeah, when I when I say orphaned believer, I I really essentially mean any Christian looking around the American church right now and wondering where Jesus is. You know, I mean, I've gone to the same church in Seattle for 18 years. I'm blessed to go to a really healthy, flourishing congregation. But some of the churches I grew up in when I lived in the Bible Belt, you know, I heard a lot of talk about Jesus, but I didn't see a lot of folks being formed or spiritually kind of grounded in the gospel. And then, you know, out here in Seattle, there's plenty of folks that, you know, if you go to church in Seattle, it's probably not by accident, you know? And so there's also this feeling of culturally having to explain here in my city what it means to be a Christian, but I'm not that kind. It's really exhausting to kind of talk about that. So when I say orphan believer, I just mean culturally, you know, if you're in the Bible Belt and you're not really seeing Jesus transform your your own life or a lot of lives around you, or if you live in the city like me and it's exhausting to talk about your faith. Um, but then, of course, I also just mean spiritually people that 
believe in Jesus, but feel like they can't square their reading of the gospel with a lot of what's been broken in the church lately. And, you know, we've all seen the headlines about abuse and the fall of celebrity pastor. I mean, you know, you know, the list as well as I do. And so just wondering where Jesus is in the midst of all of that brokenness. It's so good. I want to um, I want to come back um, in just a moment to the word formed that you used there just a moment ago. But I also just want to speak a word of encouragement um, to if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, you know what, that's me. That's that's totally me. I am an orphaned believer. I um, I am looking around at the local church and wondering where Jesus is. Um, this this book is for you. It's called Orphaned Believers, How a Generation of Christian Exiles Can Find the Way Home. We're going to continue our conversation with Sarah Billups in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions, God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Picking up where we left off in our conversation with Sarah Billups. She's joining us today with her new book, Orphaned Believers, How a, How a Generation of Christian Exiles Can Find the Way Home from our friends over at Baker Publishing. Um, let's talk about a word that you used in describing people who are orphaned believers. You used the word formed. I'm going to add to that this um, uh, this conversation that you have. You take a whole chapter to do it on spiritual formation as the antidote um, mm-hmm. to a lot of what we experience today in terms of the negative culture of the church. So what do you mean by formation? And um, how, mm-hmm. how does it how has it changed the way that you interact with Christianity and how do you see it as, you know, like the positive antidote um, to what's going on right now in the church? Yeah, Carmen. I mean, it's, it's changed everything for me. And yet when I say spiritual formation, I simply mean that the, the way that we're being formed, how we're being formed to the image of, of, of Jesus and how the Holy spirit is shaping our life. And so you know, as a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, I was formed as much by the mall and mm-hmm. by um, by single issue voting and by pop culture and by culture wars as I was by Jesus. So it wasn't until um, my late 30s that I began to think, you know, how can spiritual formation be an anecdote to some of the issues I talk about in the book and times culture that was pretty scary for me as a kid and culture wars and consumerism? Because I think we need to be shaped by Jesus to be able to live out the values that we hear on the Sermon on the Mount. And we can't do that unless we're shaped by the inside out. 
And so I think formation grounds us in Jesus, who says, don't be afraid and move into the world and love the world, but to do that with fortification, you know, and I think that formation lets us resist the tendency to make a, a bad guy or a straw man against someone that believes differently than we do. And it also protects us from consumerism and competing forces that make it, you know, likely that we can be swept away instead of being anchored in biblical teaching. So when I say spiritual formation, I just mean inward practices like prayer and reading the Bible and, you know, maybe fasting or silence. And then there's also outward practices like direct service and also corporate practices like going to church or being in community. Yeah, I'm glad that um, that we get to that conversation, not only here, but also in the book. Um, this is not you, you know, giving everybody permission to just go out there and be a low, Lone Ranger Christian. You know, it's just me and Jesus. Let me just be formed in Christ. Um, but I can do that apart from the church. Talk with us about why mm-hmm. we still need the church today. Yeah, you know, I think we need the church because it's the the best, the best hope that we have. And it's what Christ left us with. And, you know, it's possible that uh, that I have centered my life around a myth that I'm, you know, I believe in a literal virgin birth and resurrection. Either I'm building my life around something that's not true or um, the compelling me- message of Jesus and how that changed us, that radical hope is worth everything. And so the only way the church will disappear is if the church is a myth and otherwise it's here to stay, which I fully believe. And so the question is, how do we work for its health to be true witnesses to Jesus instead of all of the other forces in the in the world and in our the way that we're divided that seek to kind of uh, co-opt co-opt the church. And so I, you know, we serve a, a triune God. We're we're called to community. And so if folks are in a healthy church, I think that if we have hearts burning for change, we're called to stay and try to make welcome those that have been harmed, or to try to heal and do that work to restore parts of the church that are broken. And I do think, you know, people have had real tender stories. I mean, I hear from people every day that are taking a break from church that have been harmed by the church. Like there's no sort of formulaic, you have to go. I, I, if we have the gift of life being long, I believe that means that Jesus will draw us towards community, whatever that looks like. If that's two or three people, if that's a home church, if that's something online. But ideally, we can find ourselves in a healthy congregation that's that's safe where we get to be around people we wouldn't choose or curate. Like, you know, maybe I wouldn't go to brunch with some people in my church. Maybe they're not like me, but I love them. Like, I love our diversity and difference in opinions about politics or culture. Like, it's such a beautiful coming together of, of I think, what the bigger church is like. So that's that's some of the reasons I think we really still need the church today. We're talking with Sarah Billups. The book is Orphaned Believers, How a Generation of Christian Exiles Can Find the Way Home. If you're feeling disconnected from um, the the church, um, this is an opportunity for you to consider why um, and to consider how spiritual formation, what practices might look like, um, that you would allow yourself to be conformed to Christ, um, formed in his image, by the reshaping of your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit, like all of that is a part of this conversation. Sarah, I'd love for you to, uh, you know, like draw a picture for us, help us use our, our you know, active, um, redeemed imaginations and help us see what a Christian counterculture could actually look like in the present day, like a healthy, integrated one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I write in the book about Jesus people in the 60s and how it was a really radical time of 
of a lot of people getting saved, like people being baptized off the coast of California by Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith, who founded Calvary Chapel. It was a really exciting time. And then as, as boomer hippies kind of moved into adulthood and settled and had families, us kids maybe kind of heard stories if our parents were hippies or heard stories of those times, but didn't really experience that ourselves, especially, you know, like me growing up in the suburbs, it was not a really interesting or, ex or exciting place. But I did find in the 90s, my own version of counterculture in the church where people like me that maybe were a little more creative or really liked to read uh, books or write poems, just people that had a different imagination could really find a home for other folks that really didn't totally felt like they quote unquote fit in in, in a similar way, you know? And so I think that today, a healthy counterculture could really look like the church cultivating communities of creative people and allowing them to be imaginative and not pedantic and that art can be edifying even if it's um, imaginative and not explicitly like explicitly Christian like maybe it's not something that you would see in a Christian bookstore but it's somebody experiencing Jesus and expressing that creatively so I just have a lot of hope that as the church moves forward and as broken par parts of the church heal that real imagination and creativity and the arts can be a bit of an anecdote or a vitamin, you know, as we imagine what's to come. All right. If you're one of those people that is absolutely looking forward to the release of the Jesus Revolution movie uh, yeah, in late that's February, right. right? This would be a great book to be reading and to whet your, uh, whet your appetite for that um, conversation. Orphaned Believers, How a Generation of Christian Exiles can find the way home. Um, Sarah, um, what would be like, let's give people like one action step today. Um, mm -hmm. Suggest one action step to a person who really does feel like an orphaned believer. Um, you know, wh what's something they could do today to reconnect um, with Christ in the world? Yeah. You know, it can be really isolating to, to feel like you are alone or the only one that is not flourishing or in a place where it's hard to pray or hard to find hope. I mean, it can be very alienating. So I, one thing I would say is to seek community, to seek other people following Jesus, even if that's hard to not give up and to seek community in healthy spaces online and in person. I think that the enemy of our souls can really take root when we're isolated. And so talking to people that you trust, um, moving towards community, um, even in the presence of doubt, or of, of, of grief is, I think, a really healthy step if you can, um, if you can, yeah. You know so what, um, if you're, yeah, if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, you know what, I am an orphaned believer and um, I want some help um, seeking community, why don't you just text me? Text me, um, you could just text the word orphan or you could just say you're talking about me right now, 877-933-2484, always the text line number, always open, 877-933-2484. Let's see if we can't help one another get um, get reconnected in community, even just today. Um, Sarah, what a delight to make your acquaintance and meet you. You are a sister in Christ. Um, I'm looking forward to um, the work that you're doing in your doctoral program as well. That sounds absolutely fascinating. So we look forward to talking yeah. with you at some other point as well. Thank you so much, Carmen. This has been a gift. Yeah, real delight. Sarah Billups, the book is Orphaned Believers, How a Generation of Christian Exiles Can Find the Way Home. You can connect with um, all things Sarah at sarahbillups.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
as I was thinking about that conversation with Sarah and orphaned believers and people who feel disconnected and are looking for a way home, I recently had a message on my voicemail, and it was one of those messages that you get that's not for you. Like, right, it was not it was not a message that was actually left for me. It was left on my voicemail, but it wasn't for me. And there's a sobbing person, and they're just saying over and over and over again, just come home. Just come home. Just come home. And um, I thought to myself, like, you know, you know their number because it's, you know, your phone recognizes everything these days. And so I knew that I had the, I had the information that I needed to reach back out to this sobbing mother and say to her, I'm so sorry, the number that you left this message on is, is not the number of, um, you know, the person that you're trying to reach. Um, and so I texted first, and then I said, you're welcome to call me back, and I, I'd, I'd love to pray for you and your, um, you know, and your beloved who is not at home. And uh, that, that person never contacted me back after I texted. Um, but it, it occurs to me that there's just lots of people out there who are just speaking that prayer into the world, hoping that the message is getting through. Just come home. Just come home. And God is speaking that over you right now if you are one who is not at home in him. And so let me just say, on God's behalf, just come home. Whole, the life-changing power of relating to God in all of yourself. We've actually got copies of this next book to give away today. This is a... um, Best of Mornings with Carmen. So we're revisiting some of our favorite conversations. And we've got Aaron Aaron Williams up next with Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God in All of Yourself. We've got copies to give away of this book. So as you listen, if you're interested, text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Joining us now, Aaron Williams. He is um, half of a two-part show. Um, He's the co-author of Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Aaron, it feels somehow like strange and awkward to not have your co-author on when we're supposed to be doing the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. But thank, thanks for having me on. Look forward to chatting this morning. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, okay, so talk about um, talk about this project and talk about um, you know sort of where what is the question this is uh, this is driving to answer or the itch that you're seeking to scratch because to suggest that I need to read whole right um, suggest that I'm. Yep. I'm not approaching my spiritual life in a way that is all in, all me, all in. Yes, that's true. And actually, I love the way you kind of teased it just a moment ago. Um, I was going to ask you, I almost feel like I need that little clip just recorded on my phone so that when people ask me what the elevator pitch is, you you gave it better than I could, I think. Um, <laughs> but the yeah, the, 
the why behind the book, um, it is kind of assuming, and even the introduction's called half, but it's, you know, it's, it's really assuming that because it's, it's all of us. So we're not trying to point the finger at any specific Christian, but we're saying the invitation in the scriptures, in uh, the great commandment to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul is actually harder to do than we might imagine. Um, and we all tend to relate to God in ways that are natural to us. And that that's different for all of us. And uh, maybe also naturally we lean away or we shy away from the aspects of who we are that uh, come less natural to us. Uh, for example, uh, an easy example is like thinking and feeling, you know, some people just lean toward feelings, others lean toward their mind and their thought life. And um, God wants all of it. And so the, the premise of the book is you might be hitting spiritual stagnation or apathy, even if you're doing a lot of the right things and you're going, why is this? I, I thought Jesus promised abundant life and it just doesn't feel so abundant. The question we're raising is, well, maybe there's parts of who you are that you need to learn how to relate to God with that will kind of unlock new aspects of your faith in him. So that's what the, the book's about. Yeah, and a huge part of this conversation is the the places and spaces and groups of people you've been with where the faith has yeah. been expressed, explored, where you have learned the things of the faith, um, the people you've walked with in terms of discipleship. Like, that's all a part of this as well, and, and I really appreciated that um, as, uh, as a part of this conversation. Um, again, we're talking about the book Whole. Um, and if you're feeling like, you know what, there's some times that I feel like I've, I like, I'm only like halfway there. I know that I'm supposed to be all in with all of myself, but I, I don't, you know, I'm more of a head person than a heart person. I'm more of a spirit person than a truth person. I'm more of a doer than a beer. I'm, I'm certainly more of a sinner than I am a saint. Okay. So that's the formula of the book from half to whole. And the whole is a yeah. both and approach to these conversations. So let's talk about half. I love the um, the example of the breath. What if somebody said, I'm yeah, just yeah. an inhaler, like I don't do the exhaling part. Help us, uh, help us understand the half approach using this inhale, exhale example. Yeah, well, the, that example is, it's almost silly. You know, every time I, I teach this, that's that's what I begin with. And can you imagine if you're taking some deep breaths in a room full of people and someone spoke up and said, uh, you know, I'm I'm only the, the inhaler. You know, I grew up inhaling. I'm not in exhalings for these, you know, it's it would be silly. But the point uh, we're trying to make is, is that, all of us know even subconsciously that our inhale and exhale is tied together. We we actually could not separate the two. Our body would convulse. We would eventually exhale and start breathing again. And yet there are other parts of who we are, uh, for example, our mind and our heart, that we tend to think we actually could separate the two or we could shut one off. And when you when you look at it closer, they're actually tied together just like inhaling and exhaling. They're that inseparable of, of parts of who we are. And so once you kind of understand that, you begin to see yourself as a human being a little bit different. And you begin to think, okay, well, like, how am I, maybe if I can't separate them, I certainly could neglect one of the other. And that's, that's more of what we see doing. And so it's the, the invitation to really be a whole person, so to speak. 
Yeah, it's really good. All right. So let's talk about head and heart, spirit and truth, being and doing, saint and mm-hmm. sinner. They're always supposed to, I mean, yep. you know, they're supposed to work together. So give us a, help us understand yep. like how they get separated, even without our realizing it. Yeah, totally. These So these are biblical biblical dichotomies that the biblical authors seem to not have any problem holding together in tension. Uh, they almost seem to like assume that they will be held together, that we tend to separate. Um, and there's a couple of primary ways you are, you've already listed one, which would be uh, like our church of origin is one way to think about it. For those of you that grew up in church, what kind of church was that? What did the worship services look like? What became normal for you when it was uh, when you attended church? Another huge part of it is our just personality leanings. You know, my wife and I are a great example. We are uh, a perfect example of opposites attract. If you look at our, you know, Myers Briggs personality testing, we're opposites on most things. And and so what we've learned is we our personalities actually also affect the way that we go about living out our faith. And, uh, you know, if if I'm a thinking person, I might really lean toward waking up early in the morning and I might have a checklist of how I'm going to go through the Bible in a very like ordered fashion. My wife, that would be more of me. My wife, uh, she's kind of the opposite. She likes the slow, a slow morning. She wants to wake up. She wants to get her cup of coffee. She's going to read, but she's not going to read as much volume as I am. She's going to kind of sit maybe listen to a worship song for a solid 10 or 15 minutes, you can immediately start to see how our personalities are relating to God differently. And that actually plays out in head, heart, spirit, truth, being, doing, sinner, saint. It plays out in all these ways. And so the the invitation for us is to, to learn how to kind of pinpoint where we are, where our personalities lean, how our churches of origin and our denominations tend to have strengths um, and then also recognize the areas that we might we might be neglecting for those same reasons. And the reason that's important, um, maybe the the hinge point of the book is you can't neglect the weaker areas just because they're weaker areas. They will actually lead to uh, spiritual frustration in your life. And a lot of times we, we're experiencing that and we don't know why. And so this book is trying to say there's actually parts of you that you need to lean into. And it might be growing in the weaker areas that you experience uh, a more flourishing faith. I love that you um, brought us the example from your own marriage, because I think that um, (laughs) when, like, right, when God looks upon you and when he looks upon your wife, now he sees the two of you as one flesh. And, um, and these, and these, Maybe what seemed as an opposite attracts kind of a thing, God has turned into this one complimentary, beautiful example of what it looks like from his yeah. perspective, right? Um, and so I, I love that you brought totally. us that example. Section uh, section one of Whole, and remember, we're talking with Aaron Williams. He is the co-author of Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Um, Aaron, the uh, for the first section um, is written in Catherine's voice, so maybe we'll just highlight here um, uh, that this that this head heart conversation is really focused on um, living into and out of what it means to be all in with God using the first and greatest commandment. Also uh, appears in Deuteronomy six as the Shema. Um, 
But I love the questions like, you know, am I more of a head person or a heart person? I thought that was a really good um, yeah. entry point into the conversation. Um, and then uh, the description of this beautiful integration um, and the prayer for heart mm-hmm. and mind um, are also just such a gift in in this particular section. So I'm wondering when we come back, maybe we can focus on section two of the book since that that portion is written in your voice. Um, and, and we'll talk about... Um, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll dig in and um and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. Would you would you when we that come back, great. will you um will you tell us um that story about the moment that you realized that although you knew a lot about God and a lot about good theology, you didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit? Will you tell that story when we come back? Absolutely. Fantastic. All right, we're talking with uh, we're talking with Aaron Williams about whole. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of Second Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Uh, Aaron Williams is a worship leader. Um, he is a visionary. Um, he serves at a church in Dallas, Texas. So it's good he's with us here on Texas Day. I didn't even know it was Texas Day, Aaron, until I got up and started, you know, looking through my notes for today. And so uh, do you have a favorite kolache or and or kind of uh, jerky or brisket? Like we need a little Texas input here. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm a new Texan. I've only been here a couple of years. So I'm going to I would say the best contribution Texas has made to my life has been in the form of breakfast tacos. There are nice. a lot of amazing breakfast tacos around here. Nice. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Talk with us. Um, and again, we're talking with Aaron yeah. about a book he has co-authored. The book is Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Um, talk with us about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So you asked me to, to share that story. Um, I grew up in a church, uh, a wonderful church, by the way, Um But when it came to the Holy Spirit, I wasn't really taught anything incorrect about the Holy Spirit. I just literally wasn't taught anything. It was like a portion of our church's theology, I guess, that that was just kind of left out. Um, And so I began leading worship somewhere along in those years and high school years, traveling, writing songs, um, things like that. And um, 
essentially I started experiencing, uh, well, what now I would call the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and the giftings of the Spirit in my life, but I had no reference point for what was happening. Um, for example, you know, we would be uh, going to an event and I would I would be praying with a group of people before we would step up to lead worship. And I would just, at times, get this deep, deep sense that God wanted to do something unique. And, and I would, even at times, like kind of see in my mind's eyes, we prayed like a vision of what that was going to be. And sure enough, when we would get there, it would seem like God was working profoundly and and oftentimes in the exact same ways that I kind of intuitively was was thinking he was. And um, that over years kind of built up this sense of the Holy Spirit in my life, but with no theology behind it. And so I remember sitting in the first, my first ever actual theology class, and we get to studying the Holy Spirit, and it's as if someone is introducing me to this person that like I've kind of known for all these years, but I've also in the same way never known. Um, and it was it was a really like enlivening experience because one part of me was like, oh my gosh, this there are, there's words for all this stuff that I've been experiencing. And like, there's, I can name these, these things. And then there was another part of me that felt a little bit sad because it felt like, uh, why didn't I, why was I never taught this? You know, why didn't I grow up understanding who this person, uh, this being of part of the Trinity is. And, um, so that led me to, um, feel compassion and both passion towards people who've grown up the same way. And when we talk about truth and spirit in the book, I was the person who leaned heavy truth just by my upbringing and had to learn how to worship God, uh, as Jesus says it, quote, in the spirit uh, in John chapter four is where he says that. And so it's been a, a wonderful part of my continued journey following Jesus. And it's been also wonderful helping other people, especially people who have come into the faith in similar uh, streams of the church as I did discover who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in their life, etc. So in this chapter, you also talk about the importance of recognizing these gaps, right? And you've just expressed how, yep. you know, God God has, you know, you exploring that in your own life. Um, can you talk a little bit yep. about, like, how do you explore that without falling off to the right or the left in terms of extremes? I mean, there's extremes on both sides. So how do I, there, how do I guard against... Falling off in either one of those directions. That's a great question, and we talk about those extremes. We actually name them uh, the fear of extremes, and um, just to cite them really quickly because I think they're helpful. You know, if you are a person that grew up in a heavy, heavy truth-based church, or that's just how you naturally leaned, you will oftentimes fear emotionalism in spirit-type environments or churches that are more. Um, Holy Spirit centric and vice versa. If you grew up in a Holy Spirit centered church and, and that's like a part of who you are, part of your background, you can tend to fear intellectualism. And um, so it's very interesting that that the far sides are are dangerous and they're both actual real dangers. Um, so I think as we as we seek out how to balance these, um, not balance these, but like how to have fullness of both of, of these in our life, truth and spirit. I just think it's important to recognize um, that that it's good that Jesus is inviting us into both of these things, that neither of them 
in their uh, raw form are to be feared. You know, Jesus says in that passage in John uh, 4, actually the type of worshipers the Father is looking for are those Mm -hmm. who worship, quote, in the spirit and in truth. And we know Jesus is leading us into fullness of life, into goodness. And so we do have the propensity to take those to the extremes, but, but what we're invited into is good. And so um, that's a big hurdle for a lot of people to get over. Um, for me, it was, if, if I grow in the Holy Spirit, am I going to be, you know, seen as um, all completely emotional? You know, these, again, these fears of extremes. And what I, what I began to understand is the Bible also refers to the Holy Spirit as the one who leads us into truth. And so, again, if if we see these as interconnected, you actually realize that you can't grow in truth like you want to without the Holy Spirit's help. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is back so to the good. inhaling, exhaling thing. You know, you think we think we can shut these things off and separate them, but you can't. If you want to be a person who loves the truth of God's word and you want to go as deep as you can, you actually have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And the same is true on the other side. If if you're a Holy Spirit oriented person, a lot of times, you know, in in the excess of those types of culture, you can feel like you're living from one prophetic word to another. And, you know, where's the depth there? And it's like, well, the Holy Spirit's actually inviting you into the scriptures to take you deeper and deeper into your knowledge of who he actually is. And so I think that's how uh, the integration to me is how you avoid the extremes. It's like so the spirit's going to lead you deeper into truth and the truth is going to re- lead you into deeper relationship with the spirit and they're going to work together. They're not going to be these, they're not on opposite ends of the, of the paradigm. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, Aaron, what a delight to, uh, to meet you and have you join us for this conversation. Um, we're going to send people directly to your website, AaronWMusic.com. If you want to connect with Aaron Williams, uh, that will be the links will be in the show notes today. The book is whole. You can go to readwhole.com um, for more information about the book. And again, all the links will be in the show notes for today's program. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Hope you have a great rest of the morning. Absolutely. You too. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. So if you enjoyed that conversation with Aaron Williams and you're thinking to yourself, I'd like to have a copy of that book, text the word book to 877-933-2484. The book is whole. That's with a W on the front of it. Uh, The life-changing power of relating to God with all of yourself. All right, we're about out of time today, but I just want to encourage you to breathe. Take a deep breath. Be still and know that God is God. Maybe even offer up a breath prayer today. Um, you know, just say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, maybe just say, Abba, Father, I belong to you. Take a few moments today to speak a breath prayer to God. Prayers don't have to be long. They just have to be personal and intimate and humble. Could you offer a breath prayer to God today? Holy God, hear my prayer. I'll be praying for you today. You be praying for me. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.